Hi everyone and welcome back to 20 Minute Marketing. As always, hope you're all having a great day today. Um, going to get started straight away and introduce you to today's guest. So today's guest is Laura. Hi Laura. Hiya. How are you doing today? Yeah, really well, thank you. Good, good. Um, could you just give us about 30 seconds to a minute introduction on yourself, who you are, etc.? Yeah, so my name is Laura Hogan. Um, I've been doing SEO and digital marketing for almost 10 years now. As you can probably tell from the twang, I'm a born and bred brummie. <laughs> <laughs> and I own an agency called Jellybean um, that's based in Birmingham and we a full service digital marketing agency. Um, yeah, so we're going to get involved straight away and talk about Google Ads, uh, maybe a little bit on SEO, but try and keep it specifically on paid ads. <laughs> So we're just going to have a little bit of a chat about um, Google Ads specifically. Just to give you sort of a background on this episode, I came across Laura's speech actually at Search Leads, which is um, the probably one of the biggest events in the North for digital marketing. Um, Laura touched on competitor bidding specifically. Uh, it was a really engaging talk. So I um, wanted to find out a little bit more from her and share her findings with the audience uh, and, and our listeners. So could you just go into that a little bit in detail, Laura, about how competitive bidding works and the value that it adds? Yeah, definitely. So I think there's with competitive bidding, there seems to be people are either really for it or really against it. Um, there's the old saying about, you know, glass houses and throwing stones. Um, and obviously, sometimes your competitors will have a higher AdWords or Bing budget than you do. But my opinion on it has always been that, there's ways to advertise on your competitors and to advertise to their audience without directly doing a search ad on AdWords or on Bing that's got their name in it. Um, I've seen brands do it. I've ran it for brands. It does work. You standardly have a lower click-through rate when you bid directly on competitor brand names. But we do it. We like to look at the smart ways of doing it. So one of my favorite ways of competitive bidding with AdWords is to use Gmail advertising. So with Gmail advertising, you can specify specific keywords that if um, the, re the Gmail recipient has received emails that contain those keywords, that can act for your ad to trigger. So we quite often do this for competitors and we'll run the competitors' names as the keywords on Gmail ads because you know that these guys who are receiving these emails from competitors are actually interested in your product or service. So you, you know that there's, they're not necessarily going to be completely top of the funnel when they're, when they're coming to you with it. Um, we've also done it for events as well, which works quite nicely. So if you know that your audience is going to be at a specific event, naturally events send out emails to their list to engage them to make sure that they attend. So that's a nice way of doing um, it too with kind of like a competitor slash event kind of yep. targeting. Um, if you're running social ads, if your competitors have enough followers on their pages, you can target specific pages with Facebook and also with Twitter. You can say, you know, I want to target ads to people who like this page. Sometimes competitors, when they're quite large, will also come up. The brand will come up in the interests section when you're kind of narrowing down your targeting. So, again, like you can subtly target your competitors through this without actively running an ad that's like, we're better than these guys. It's yeah. about being smart in how you do it. So um, 
for example, one of our clients runs um, a gym chain and one of their competing brands doesn't have instructor-led classes. They're all virtual classes, whereas our gym brand has instructor-led qualified instructors running all their classes. So when we do our competitor targeting, our ads are very much based around the fact that we have the instructor-led um, classes. So we're not outright calling them out, but for someone who is a member of that other gym that knows that all their classes are virtual, it is kind of like, oh, these guys are around the corner and it's an instructor doing it all the time. Maybe I should check them out. Um, yeah. so it's just about being you, smart. You, yeah, you can use that, find a USP, whether it's price or features 100%. or something. Yeah. yeah, and roll with it. Yeah, it's just about being smart with how you do it. I don't, I don't like when you get the straight out ads that's like, oh, we're fifty pound cheaper than so and so. That's just personal opinion, though. I, th- I think there's a smarter way to tar- to target competitors than just outright bidding on their brand name, making it obvious of like, oh, you don't like so and so, come with us. Um, so yeah, they're, they're two of, two of the core ways that we use for competitor ads, and, and it work it works really nicely. Um, and uh- the CPCs are quite low on Gmail as well, most of the time. In terms of Gmail, it's something that I feel like quite a lot of people might not be fully aware of. Um, a lot of people might just stay at top level and just stick to Google Ads in general. Um, how sort of easy is that to go about setting up? And are there any tips in terms of maybe just setting up in general, not just on competitive bids? Yeah, so um, Gmail is run through the display network. So when you go to set it up, um, you start your setup as if you're running going to run a display ad um, and you'll then get the option to choose Gmail. You need to have um, your logo. You, you you set it up like an email. So instead of having ad text as such, you have your subject line and the secondary subject line. And that's where you can put your witty, creative, please open me kind of text. Then it opens up into an email format. You can have a single image. You can have a single video. There are some templates you can use as well. So it looks a little bit more like a grid style newsletter. If, if you're more e-commerce, that works quite nicely. And then one thing I would just say with the reporting on Gmail is that AdWords will class a click as when somebody opens the email, not when somebody clicks through to your website. So when you're looking at a real top line AdWords report, it will appear like your CPCs are miraculously low and that you've had thousands of clicks when realistically you've had thousands of people look at your email. You haven't had thousands of people actually click from the email onto your website. So just you can um, add a column in Gmail to show clicks to website. But also if you just look at the user's column on analytics, that will actually give you the realistic figure of how many people have come through. Um, but yeah, it's re- you can... Um, We've used customer match targeting with Gmail ads as well, which works quite nicely. So that's when you upload your um, email database that you've got. So we've done it for re-engagement. We've done it when there's a specific offer to members or to users. And also we've worked with events before and we've ran Gmail and customer match to kind of remind people to attend the event. So there's lots of different ways that you can use it, but it just um, penetrates a different area than standard kind of google and search partners yeah and do you find that the click-through rate on gmail um is just as competitive or um maybe lower than your standard google ads it's lower than standard um we found it worked very well for uh, the travel industry 
has been one of the strongest performing we've seen for for Google Ads, particularly with the competitor bidding um, in the, in the travel industry. Where we've seen it not be so good is property industry. Um, when we've had like a downloadable attached to it, that's worked quite nicely and maintained quite a high click through rate. But when you're just being a bit more of a generic introduction, I guess with yeah. with the ad, that's where the click through rates have been have been a little bit lower. Um, but again, you want to the click through rate. It will give you on the top line report is the number of people who click to open the email, not click through to the website. So you need to do a little bit of maths to work out your actual click through rate. Yeah, it's quite interesting as well because you can. It gives you so many more characters on a standard ad. You're very tied in, in the amount of characters that you can use. Whereas if you have, like you mentioned, a downloadable document or a PDF or something, you can slide that in and really give someone a full scale introduction to your company. Yeah, a hundred percent. And like we've run ads where we've had like testimonials within the Gmail ad too, and you can just get a lot more information in, and whether it's visual, video, whatever format you want to use with it, and. It's it's straight in that person's inbox, and if you get your targeting right, you you can have like conservative targeting added on or aggressive, or you can say no, I only want my keywords. You you can get such a nice a nice feel for kind of who people who 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 else is emails people are interacting with because if you've got your keywords as like events or competitors or you know generic phrases, you can you can see in your reports which of those keywords triggered the most clicks. So we're just going to move away from um, competitive bidding and talk about Google Ads in general. So I believe you have um, some effective tips as well that you could share with us um, for listeners as well. Yeah. So this might be a little controversial viewpoint, but I really dislike maximize conversions and maximize clicks as bidding strategy. Um, my feeling when we've used them in the past and tested them out is that they just spend a lot of budget and you really don't see a conversion increase. So we've been actively moving all our clients back to the old school manual cost per click where you have a lot more control back over how much you want to spend on each keyword. And what we found is that cost per clicks have dramatically reduced, but it hasn't impacted the average position. We're still maintaining that high position. Um, so for, for my own ads, um, when we had it on maximized clicks to test out whether that worked, the CPCs were coming in at like £25 for SEO keywords. But then when we pulled it back to manual CPC, the CPCs dropped like six to seven pounds and we're still top position with our ads an incredible difference such a difference isn't it i mean like it's, yeah. it's a really expensive industry anyway um but considering the positioning was still number one and number two it our, click, our number of clicks didn't drop it's just that it was so much more cost effective for us so i definitely suggest run it test it out for a couple of weeks and just see the difference in in your cost per clicks and and your and your positioning with it i mean i know we don't have the positions column anymore sadly um but at least you'll be able to tell through your traffic levels as to whether it's impacted or not and has that impacted conversions at all or has it had not much difference it's been it's been kind of the same um it's just that it's been such a lower cpi in it I, most of our conversions do come um via the phone the non-line yeah. which I, I personally prefer um, and we kind of skewed our ads that way as well to get people to call rather than to um, inquire online. And then speaking of the phone, do you have any sort of tips in terms of extensions that people can use or anything that works really well for yourself that you've seen? Yeah. So site links, always make sure you've got your site links and you've got your descriptions in them. 
just for when you do have that top positioning, the ad just becomes so much larger, um, which is fabulous. Uh, we've been playing um, quite a bit with the price extensions as well and offer and promotion extensions for clients. I I like promotion extensions, but I think the it's quite limited what you have on there because it has to be like a minute, you know, you have to say, well, it's this much off or it's this percentage off or save up to this percent. And sometimes you just want to say what the deal is. You don't want to be like, oh, it's saving of seven pound or whatever, you know, you want to put what the actual. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I like them. We use them a lot, but I just wish there was a little bit more fluidity in, in, in the usage of them. Um, yeah. We've set up some lead extensions as well because we were lucky enough to get them when they were in beta for a, for a few of our clients. Um, I must admit, though, they they're not tri- they don't trigger very often at the moment. The, the lead extensions don't. Um, probably like one in every 20 clicks you're seeing it trigger, which right, is okay. a shame. It was quite a low volume, yeah. yeah. You, you kind of expected that when it was in beta, you'd you'd see it in the in the wild, I suppose, a bit more. Than, than you have been but I really like the layout of them and how that you know how you can put a background image on it and just m- make it a little bit more branded yeah um do you think um I'm just going to sort of ask a couple of generic questions to finish off do you think there's any major changes that might be coming to to ads that people should be aware of or is there anything that uh, you, you found out recently I think it's gonna I think there's gonna be a lot more visual come in if we look at the work google's been doing in general on um, image search results and obviously now you have um, your shopping results in images as well bing's had image ads for a while um so i think we're going to see more and more images within the search results on ads it's interesting as well i saw last maybe the start of this week or last week that they're also introducing shopping ads to youtube's home feed um as well so everything's just connecting together it's going to be quite a lot more fluid and hopefully you can get your image and your brand across all networks. Yeah, I think it's I think it's going to be good having the shopping ads in YouTube. I think there's going to be a lot um, of opportunity there. Yeah, apparently the beta for that um, showed a 23% increase in, in conversions, so it certainly worked by the sounds of it. Well, if you think that, like, you know, if you pop in them on an influencer's feed or something and, you know, there's a beauty influencer, you're a makeup brand, it there's so many ways that it can sit hand in hand and yeah it sort of takes away the need to pay the influencer directly (laughs) you've got a little bit more control yourself if you're just putting it on their their brand and their image without going to them instead yeah that's true actually (laughs) Um, i think we're just going to summarize now um finish off on this section and head to the graduate advice Um, so stay tuned everyone and thanks for listening So as always, we're just going to finish off with some graduate advice. So do you have any tips, Laura, for people who uh, might be graduates or entry level or someone who might just want a change of career who hasn't really worked in marketing before about how to enter the role and um, sort of where to get started? Yeah, one of the biggest pieces of advice I could give anybody is just to read. There's so many fantastic blogs um, around marketing. And if you want, even want to you know, specialize into SEO or PPC, there's so many fantastic resources. And Twitter is full of information as well. Uh, we actually, 
we published a blog post a couple of months ago where we asked a lot of industry professionals what advice they'd, they'd give to anybody looking um, to enter that it's, it's over on the Jelly Bean blog. And reading was the common theme, testing, trying things yourself. Like it's very easy to get a Shopify website or a WordPress website. It, it doesn't cost a lot of money to do so, but you can then go and you, and you can test everything that you're reading out. And you can optimize your own site and you can kind of see the differences that everything does to your ranking so that when you do come into the workplace, you already have an idea of of what you should be doing. Um, but when I used to train up um, graduates in one of my old roles, we we very much did a show and tell. So, you know, we, we'd sit there and we'd run through how to do, say, a backlink review. And then the guys would go away and do it. And then we'd sit down and we'd run through it. So it's, I think always ask for feedback as well when, when you're in the early stages and make sure if you're not sure of how you've done something, don't be afraid to ask. Even if you ask on Twitter or Reddit or somewhere, there's so much knowledge in this industry and so many people willing to help. And there's quite a lot of LinkedIn groups as well. If you search digital yeah. marketing or marketing in general, there's plenty of people on there that We'll answer your questions if, if you're not quite yeah, sure. Yeah, there is. And there's a wonderful Facebook group um, for women who are in digital as well um, called Women in Tech SEO. Um, so that's always full of some really good advice and everybody on there helps each other out. Um, and then just going to move on to a, sort of the next question. If you were hiring like a graduate right now, um, what knowledge would you be looking for maybe besides someone who has um, something like backlink experience? To be honest, for me, sometimes just passion and drive is more important than knowing everything. You can teach somebody how to optimize a page. You can teach somebody how to find competitor links, but you can't teach somebody to be a sponge and to have that passion and that drive that they want to learn. Um, yes, yeah, it's, it's a good point. I think like even for myself, like I came into the industry with all of the educational background, but until you do something, you have no idea how, how to like um, optimize a page or something like that. Yeah, well, I mean, I make myself sound old, but SEO wasn't even taught when I was at uni. So my degree was in um, media and journalism, and it wasn't referenced at all during the degree. So I didn't even know SEO existed. And I went into a marketing role and only a few months into it kind of realized, oh, actually what I'm doing here is SEO. And then you kind of yeah. just grow and grow your knowledge from there. Yeah, I think a, a good way to sort of leave it is that it, it does take months, if not years, to claim that you, you know at least most of the things that are happening in marketing. 100%. And it's always changing. So you do need to keep up with all the, all the new elements too. Um, yeah, I think we're going to finish off there. Um, thanks for being an awesome guest. I hope everyone enjoys the episode. No, thank you for having me.